millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Reach out with your feelings. Let go.
Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Force Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. <laughs> I am your host. My name is Joseph Scrimshaw. We are recording live at Convergence in Minneapolis. We've done a couple of live Star Wars Counseling episodes, and we've done uh, one with these two wonderful panelists before. We have from Fantasy Flight Games, he is also the announcer for First Wrestling, and the first person to correct me on the pronunciation of Coruscant, it's Jeremy Stomberg. Hello, Joseph. Hello. Happy to be here. Hello there, Jeremy. Hello there. Also from Fantasy Flight Games, and a great comedian performer who has not yet corrected me on the pronunciation of a Star Wars word, but the day is young, Molly Glover. I am excited. I'm really excited to be here in the general conceptual sense, but I'm also just like really excited to physically still be alive. Yes. Uh, it's, for, uh, it's been grueling. Uh, you've done many, many panels. This is uh, number 14 for me, which is wow. which, because of Mega Panel, this makes 15.5 hours of panels. Wow, that's too many. Yep. That's my Agreed. opinion. I'm at, I think I'm at like 10. And I yep. think, you know, that's uh, also too many. Uh, yeah, Jeremy, how many too, hour, too many hours of panels have you done? Uh, well, I did uh, fewer than Molly, but I also uh, did with a number of friends the opening ceremony video, which also took mm-hmm. a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I guess what we're saying is don't do things. Why? Why? Uh, for context, for our wonderful listeners to the podcast, uh, Convergence is this wonderful, explosive four-day convention. It's a party. We're recording on Sunday afternoon, so you're going to hear some very tired woos. <laughs> <laughs> We've applauded as much as we can. It's been four days. But I'm very, very excited uh, to get into this. Uh, for people who have been to this panel before or have listened to the podcast, this is what the idea is. We collect grievances. We collect things that bug you or things that you wonder about in Star Wars, and we try to make you feel better about them by looking at them from some different perspectives. Sometimes there's just actually an answering canon of Star Wars in the current official canon that maybe people don't know, so we'll throw that out. The whole idea of this is Star Wars is a beautiful thing, and even though it features a lot of space wizards cutting one another's limbs off with laser swords, I personally feel the undeniable theme of Star Wars is pacifism. It is about going to the light. It is about standing up to fight back only when you absolutely have to. So the spirit of this podcast is that the light side is calling and we would like to all answer it. So in that spirit, let's see if Jeremy has some damn problem. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so after uh, after the uh, first two uh, uh, episodes of the new trilogy, uh, Force Awakens, I really enjoyed but uh, I agree with a lot of folks who, who called it very safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally understand the, the necessity for, for making a safe new Star Wars. Uh, but then when Ryan Johnson kind of turned the whole thing on its head for uh, The Last Jedi, which I love unabashedly, uh, I am concerned that going back to Abrams is going to make the finale of the Skywalker saga uh, kind of safe. Oh, Okay. Okay, um, I think the, the counseling that I can give to this is every single word that J.J. Abrams has said in interviews about Episode Nine. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know how many you, you've got a chance to hear or read, uh, Jeremy? A uh, little bit, and I was at Star Wars Celebration, so I got, right. got to see him on the, on the Rise of Skywalker panel. Right, so yeah. this might be my bias, it might yeah. be what I'm hearing, but here's what I hear J.J. Abrams say all the time is that, hey, 
I made the movie that I was asked to make when it comes to The Force Awakens. And I think he did inject a lot of new ideas in the creation of you know, Rey and Kylo Ren and Finn and Poe. But I think he was also like, yes, I was asked to set a certain tone and use some familiar vehicles and all that. And then Ryan Johnson comes in and I think, uh, I like to think The Last Jedi is he took the action figures out of the package and played with them. <laughs> Whereas J.J. Abrams was asked to build a nice display case and he did a very good job. And I sense in everything J.J. Abrams says that 800 gauntlets have been thrown down in front of him. That he is known as the guy who is a sturdy architect of story who sometimes doesn't you know, stick the landing. And then Ryan Johnson comes along and is allowed to do something very artistic. And everything he says, like, I'm really ready to play. He dropped the F-bomb in Vanity Fair. He's like, I just want to go effing crazy. I feel like J.J. Abrams has so much that he wants to show us as an artist. I think he is really going to make it an effort to absolutely make it his own. And I think, totally unlike The Force Awakens, the fact that this is the end of an era, I think is a lot of freedom for him because he doesn't have to set anything up. He just has to wrap things up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make you feel any better? Just if you always make me feel better about Star Wars. Aww, thank you. Aww, <laughs> well, that makes me very happy. Uh, Molly, do you yes. have a grievance? And then we'll get to our wonderful audience grievance. I, I do have a grievance. Um, I feel that the way Phasma died made me very sad and I felt underwhelmed. She was a really strong, positive character and it was really cool to see uh, such a bad uh, uh, woman working for the First Order. And so I enjoyed her, and I named my car after her, and because I have a Kia Soul, so it kind of <laughs> looks like a trooper helmet, and it's silver. Oh, and, right, yes, so yes. it's Phasma. I take right? a picture of that car every time I see it. Yeah, and so, uh, and then she just kind of was dead, or gone, and I'm sad, because I thought, I was really hoping to see more of a climactic uh, thing with her and Finn. Yeah. I, I understand that yeah. uh, that grievance. Uh, I have several thoughts. Uh, one, just gratuitously, I, I love playing Phasma in Battlefront 2. Yep. She has yes. a First Order sentry droid, and then she can stun people, so Jedi get cocky and think, I can take down Phasma. And then Anakin walks up, and he gets frozen by the beam, and then you can hit him to death with your Quicksilver baton. That does sound uh, very, very cathartic. Very cathartic. And you're like, Phasma should have fought more. Bam, bam, bam. Very cathartic. Uh, here's, I think one of the things that sometimes we have a hard time accepting in modern fandom is that we see characters and that we fall in love with them because we are so used to them extending out of the narrative that they're in Mm. and Mm -hmm. that it's hard for us to accept sometimes when a character is in a narrative only to support another character. Right. And when I watch Last Jedi I feel like Phasma's role in the movie is just to support Finn and nothing else so that her end makes narrative sense in terms of getting Finn to say rebel scum. Mm. You know, that that's what her purpose is. Uh, But you know very, very well working with all on all the Star Wars property for, yes. <laughs> uh, for Fantasy Flight games that, you know, when a character in Star Wars dies, that's not it. That's very true. You can even be apparently cut in half and thrown all the way down into God knows where and come back with legs and you're fine. So, yeah. yeah. You know, actually, that makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. And in particular, I'm really, really hoping, my, my own personal hope, and I think if we keep saying it on podcasts, maybe we'll make a difference. <laughs> uh, there's that great Phasma novel. You know, she, oh, yeah. this is a space fantasy, and she fell through some flames to a lower place. I want to believe that she's alive. And she's like, you know what? 
the First Order does not have their shit together. I'm a survivor. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting out of here. It's a future I can believe in. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Joseph. Future Phasma. Yes. Future well, Phasma. Like, like, and like Luke says, no one's ever really gone. No. Yeah. He meant it in the good side. Now, I want, a shirt, I want a shirt that instead of saying the future is female, says the future is Phasma. <laughs> <laughs> Who among us does it? That's great. All right, so let's get into some of these audience grievances. Uh, picked as many as we can. We'll see how many that we can get through in the next hour or so. Uh, this comes from uh, Matt Sevelkul. Uh, I hope I pronounced that close to correctly. Hello, Matt. When will the two Ewok movies, released theatrically overseas, be given the full interquill status they deserve, <laughs> a la Rogue One? Mm. Um, now, Jeremy, how do you feel about the Ewok movies? Did you watch them on television as a I, child? I did. I watched it. Yeah, the, the, uh, I don't remember which one was first, Caravan of Courage or Battle for Endor, but does it matter which one you watch in which order? Uh, I think that I really want Canon Wilford Brimley in Star Wars. <laughs> um, you know, as a uh, as a, a young kid who was who was in love with all things Star Wars, uh, I enjoyed them, and I have not uh, admittedly watched them in many years. Uh, so I'd have to really take a look and see if they deserve to enter <laughs> that status. But uh, you know, there I think there's also. A, a space for the for for legends, uh, for telling these stories that don't necessarily fit into the the real universe, but are still good Star Wars stories. Right. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the Ewok movies, Molly? I have never seen them. I didn't like Ewoks as a child, nor do I like them really all that much now. I just they uh, they kind of creeped me out as a kid, and something about their faces. I, I don't remember. I don't. I honestly couldn't put it in words. You it mean just a, a, a murder bear that doesn't blink? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I, I, they were never, I was never a fan of them, and as a result, I, I just think I eschewed anything that, that would have had to do with them. Plus, I didn't really have access to that sort of stuff. I didn't have friends who were really into Star Wars and could show me bootlegs of things that were not released <laughs> in the U.S. I got bootleg Yeah, Ewoks. yeah. We didn't, we didn't watch it on TV or record it on VCR, so I didn't have yeah. it. But no, I, I, uh, I'm not into it. That's yeah. personally All my... Right. Yeah. Fair enough. So, uh, Matt, uh, in, in order to answer your grievance, here's what I personally think... Uh, should happen and I think might happen elements of the movie's individual uh, Ewok characters have been put into canon in uh, various ways in books and little uh, animated uh, uh, shorts uh, I think what they should do they got Disney Plus uh, I think most Star Wars fans are going to get that I think they should have a big Ewok event where they encourage everybody they let, let everybody know that on midnight of this Tuesday we're dropping back to back both Ewok movies mm. here are the hashtags gather all your Star Wars fans watch these appreciate these see if you can appreciate them sincerely or ironically because both are legitimate in Star Wars <laughs> and let's just go Ewok hashtag crazy and enjoy these movies would that uh, satisfy your, your desires? A oh, full geez. Blu-ray restoration. <laughs> I can support that as well. I agree. Because, uh, yeah, some of those DVDs are pretty expensive <laughs> on the old internet. All right. Thank you very uh, much, Matt. Round of applause for Matt. Yeah. Moving on. This uh, was uh, brought to us by Brian F. Brian's grievance is, after watching Vader break promises to Lando regarding the independence of Cloud City... Why did Boba Fett believe the Empire will compensate you if Solo had died in carbon freezing? <laughs> this is a very good question about just sort of the, uh, the situation of trust and economic status in Star Wars. I like this very much. Uh, 
Molly, I'll start with you. Do you have an answer to this grievance? Uh, very much. So, Boba Fett is Mandalorian. Mandalorians have a strong code of honor among familial trust. I think that he genuinely was taking these sorts of things at his word. He's a bounty hunter. They have contracts. Like, he believed that he was going to get what he was owed. He had no reason not to believe that even if other people had been you know, uh, betrayed, right? And so I think that it is a big, it speaks a lot to his character as that he would have been that sure of that happening. Okay, interesting. Um, I, I totally 100% apologize for being this guy, but I have to because it's a Star Please, Wars podcast. Did I get wrong? The Boba Fett status as an actual Mandalorian is ambiguous right now. True, but I think we're going to learn a lot about that on the upcoming Mandalorian show. I hope so. I really, I really have a strong feeling about that. Yeah. Oh, good. I really, really <laughs> hope so. Because yeah, that's one of my favorite. Uh, yeah. Just for anybody else who isn't totally on board with this, uh, very, very quickly. You know, George Lucas invents Boba Fett. And the, awesome costumes designed. Mm-hmm. We discover he's a Mandalorian, and then eventually uh, George Lucas decides, oh, but his, his, he's a genetic clone of Jango Fett. Right. And uh, that's where all of the Mandalorian stuff came from, but Jango Fett isn't a Mandalorian, and I'm not going to tell you where he got that armor, just yeah. so you know. All of the people involved with the creation of the word yeah. and the culture and the armor of Mandalorians aren't Mandalorians. It's, Suck on it, nerds. It's going to be a whole... So here's the thing. There's going to be a whole lot of hand-waving, I think, that's going to have to happen over yeah. a lot of the things that yeah. George Lucas said were absolutely true, like midichlorians and all the other stuff that you're just not talking about anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's not that there, if you if you push, you know, I mean, Disney, I mean, if you push Disney or LFL about that stuff, they're just like, don't even, let's just not. Like, we're just not going to talk to you about it. It's like, oh, okay, so we shouldn't do it? It's like, just don't talk about it or think about it. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So I think based on some pushback I've gotten on different things, I think yeah. that there's just going to be some... Mandalorians hand waving happening to, to push us so through too. into what makes more sense. I think so too. But Plus I, with what we saw in Rebels. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think your 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 core point about Bofet's character having a sense of honor. Yeah. He, he might have, he's got a code. He might have stole that from Mandalore too, but yeah, he's got yeah. it. Uh, Jeremy, what is your thought? Why did Boba Fett trust Vader after Vader was basically being a used car salesman to land up? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's the Empire. It's like the you know the big dogs in town. They, they still got uh, six of the uh, galaxy's best bounty hunters to mm-hmm. show up at a moment's notice so they know that the Empire is going to pay their debts to people that are willing to work for them. Uh, Lando, if the Empire hadn't arrived, he, you know, he says the Empire arrived just before you did, Lando would have hid Han if Boba Fett hadn't arrived. Uh, Boba Fett found Han, Lando would have hidden Han. So I think it's just, uh, it's just more of... Uh, Vader's trying to get through the day with a administrator of this city. <laughs> it's like, okay, no, no, we'll we'll do this thing. It'll yeah. be fine. Mm-hmm. But in reality, hey, Boba Fett, you can just take this guy. We'll pay you, and you can have the body. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. The way I see it, I think that Vader enjoys sort of toying with certain people. I think he knows oh, yeah. exactly yeah. who Lando is, and I think, you know... Uh, in order for the dark side to be at its uh, full potential of power, there has to be a continual cycle of hate, and I think that includes kind of being a dick to people like Lando, <laughs> where he just says things that he knows uh, he's not going to follow through on. Whereas I think Vader and Boba Fett have a really good relationship, like people who have bought things from one another on eBay, <laughs> and they're rated very it's highly with one another. Super fast shipping. Right? Super fast shipping. They both know they're going to get what they paid for from one another. Uh, Brian F., did that help in any way? Excellent. Thumbs up for Brian F. A round of applause. (laughs) 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We're going to continue our Vader streak with a question and a grievance from JD. JD, with a very good one, says, Why doesn't Darth Vader sense the Force in Leia? So, uh, obviously, uh, very good. There's a a lot that uh, Vader could have, uh, you know, maybe picked up from his various interactions with his daughter, who looks a lot like her mother. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jeremy, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, He's not looking for it. Uh, You know, he assumes that all of the Jedi are dead. He, uh, when uh, Obi-Wan shows up on the Death Star, he's like, whoa, wait a second here. There is some force connection that I finally that I finally have, and uh, then eventually uh, the guy that takes down the Death Star, Luke, he has a connection with as well. But here's this you know space princess that he's picked up 
for speeding, basically, <laughs> and, has, and has in a holding cell. Uh, he doesn't really think much of her. He, he knows that he's that she's been uh, a thorn in the Empire's side. Her father has been a thorn in the Empire's side, and he's not really thinking about is you know you know I, I know my wife was pregnant, but I saw. You know, I, I saw the body, you know. Yeah, he's not looking for a daughter. It's not yeah. like everybody he I've, meets goes like, mm, I've been told the by thing? my boss mm-hmm. that I killed her. And I'm feeling pretty bad about that before she was able to have her kid. Right. Thank All you for referring to Palpatine as his boss. <laughs> my senior Sith manager. <laughs> to the... Malia, how do you feel about Vader's sensing Leia in the Force? Yeah, I, I, I really agree with Jeremy. I think that a big part of Darth Vader is he did truly kill Anakin Skywalker to become Darth Vader. And so I don't think he thinks about Padme that much. I don't think he thinks about like his previous life. I think he's very uh, goal-focused, and he has to be in order to not lose his mind. I also think that he is blinded by his own ambition and his own hubris. He thinks that he's the—he knows he's the strongest in the force and the most, you know, other than the emperor or whatever. Yeah. That he is the the most powerful being out around doing things in the galaxy, and therefore there's no way she and that he wouldn't notice. So, he, like Jeremy says, he doesn't look. Yeah. And I, again, I think that you know, to him, she's just Organa's brat, and and is a, yeah, a thorn in his side. It doesn't. I mean, he didn't know her name. There was no indication that he had a baby. Yeah. Yeah. He's just. He's just not. He's not Anakin Skywalker. He's Darth Vader. Yeah. No, I think these are really great points. I think one of the big things that that you both said that makes a lot of sense to me is that he is very well aware of her. She's been in the Senate, and I think it's almost in this kind of absurd way, like when you work with someone and you you put them in a certain place, uh, you know, a box in your mind, and then, like, you go somewhere and you're like, oh, they do fire dancing, too. I didn't know they could do that. There's no reason that I would think they could do that. Or you see them at Convergence. You see them at Convergence. And they are not wearing, like, a lot of clothes. And you're like, cool. Like, I mean, it's just... (laughs) That went a weird place we're talking about. Um, But but It's hiding in plain sight. It's hiding in plain sight. And I think uh, one of the biggest things to me uh, uh, is that the Force connections, I think, across all of Star Wars canon is one of the things that has actually been depicted fairly well if you pick at it, uh, force users only really sense one another if the force is actually being used. Uh, and Leia is not aware of any force things we have in modern canon in like the uh, Leia Princess of Alderaan book. Every once in a while, something weird happens to her and she doesn't even know or thinks maybe she's imagining. She is not at all in touch with it or emanating it, putting it outward anyway. When Vader senses Luke, he's actively using the force yeah. uh, to fly the ship and dodge. Uh, and I think another thing that can kind of uh, cloud our judgment about Force connections is when we see them in the movies, these strong connections, they're between people who have connections. Luke and Vader only start being super connected to the point where, oh, they can sense when one another is near. Once they've been confirmed as father and son and they've developed this bond, uh, when Kylo and Leia connect, it's because of that. When Vader and Obi-Wan can sense one another on the Death Star... It's all Force users who already have a deep emotional connection. I think if Force users were that deeply connected, you know, back in the day, uh, the Galactic Republic, when the the Jedi were, you know, tens of thousands of them, that would be a pain if you were just like, I'm just trying to get a sandwich, and I sense 800 Jedi. You would only sense your best friend if they were nearby and were feeling something strongly. So I think that's the top eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can change it, but that's just that's who you got. Uh, did that help, JD? All right, thumbs up and a round of applause for JD. Yeah. 
Uh, we have our most challenging question that I have ever received uh, doing this podcast. It's from Sam. Sam asks, how would you solve climate change on Coruscant? <laughs> Jeremy? I think they already have. I mean, it's, it's uh, I mean, for the worse. I mean, they're, they're changing that climate. I mean, that's, I don't know how long uh, Coruscant has now canonically been a, the entire planet is one big city, uh, but it's, it's been that way long enough to, for it to uh, have its own climate. It's, I mean, I'm sure that various, uh, all those various machines that, uh, that make lightning and smoke and fire that they uh, travel through in the prequels, uh, could make uh, rainbows and fresh air if they wanted to. <laughs> I think they're uh, they're keeping uh, they're keeping the climate that they need uh, on Coruscant. Maybe just to be super dark. Maybe it is to uh, to keep the population subjugated. You know, it's uh, contrails are real. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because we yeah. can produce them. Uh, Molly, how do you feel about the climate on Coruscant? Because I don't have a better answer than that. I'm going to make a terrible pun and say they need to reduce carbonite emissions. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man slash Captain America is leaving because how oh, oh, terrible you drove him away. Uh, yeah, I agree with Jeremy. Uh, I think uh, climate change on Coruscant uh, uh, was solved when the last glacier melted and they built <laughs> a part of a city over it. <laughs> so I think what they should do on Coruscant is actually reintroduce glaciers in natural environment mm. just to stir up a lot of interest in the discussion of climate change. <laughs> we don't have any climate problems, but uh, let's create some just like, to get the word out to the rest of the galaxy. It's like the Highline Park in, uh, in New York. You, know, you take an old, uh, you take an old uh, elevated train platform and you, make, mm -hmm. uh, you put tons of, of grass and trees on it. And it's just like, oh, this is the this is the new place. This is what we're going to try to do all over this joint. <laughs> uh, I like that answer very much. Uh, Sam, did that help a little bit? Yay! <laughs> A round of applause for Sam. All right, here is a question grievance from Trevor Bailey. Why does the Empire and then the First Order keep building bigger and bigger Death Stars with bigger fatal flaws? All right, Molly, yes. uh, let's talk about the hubris of <laughs> tyrannical governments. Yes. Well, I mean, as we know from Rogue One, that first flawed, you know, that was in the Death Star was inserted by a rebel trying to, you know, undermine the power of the Empire. It, it wouldn't surprise me if it was something similar with the, the First Order's, uh, uh, what is it called, the station? The Starkiller Base. Starkiller Base, thank you. Uh, I think, though, that... Much like, we all know that there's lots of echoes with the First Order and the Empire of, you know, World War II Nazis versus, like, redoing, you know, more, the newer tyrants that we have in our modern world and how they change. Uh, and I think that a big part of that is that, you know, from every war, every world war especially, and then going forward, the, the weapons got bigger and they got worse and they got crueler. We, we didn't do cruel things to each other and then go, oh, we should do, you know, nicer things in war. We just made our cruelty more efficient and and made our cruelty something that would, would could do more with less. And so instead of just blowing up Alderaan, they're gonna take out five planets that will completely gut what's left of, you know, the, the current resistance and republic. And so I think that it's really important to just remember that historically, you know, there are echoes 
that ripple through time, especially when you have a world that is governed by a magical space force. You know, I mean, that, that, that sort of, we even have that time as a flat circle situation in our own world, and there's no magical space force here. So I can't well, imagine. I hope. If, yeah, right? It's by all evidence, I'm pretty sure I would sure like there, there to be one. some force. I would like to levitate yeah. something someday. Uh, Jeremy, how do you feel about the continuing escalation of large death balls? <laughs> well, I'd like to know why... Uh, throughout my teenage and uh, 20-something years, I just I continued to date women with bigger and bigger flaws. And it just, it's because we just keep on making mistakes over and over again until you figure it out. And they just... And the first, the Empire didn't figure it out. The First Order hadn't figured it out yet. But hey, maybe in the Rise of Skywalker, they're bringing back... Well, no, that doesn't make a lot of sense either. Um, maybe they'll figure it out. <laughs> A, uh, this, this is kind of just moving away from Star Wars counseling to just counseling counseling. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. No, but I'm fine now. I'm fine with that. Fine. Yeah, no, We're all I mean, fine now. Yeah, no, yeah. How are you? Yeah, you, yeah. you've got your, your, your core reactors now protected, right? You're not going to get... Those weapons of mass destruction went on to live perfectly fine lives. Exactly. <laughs> Without you. Yeah. Jeremy's soul is only two meters wide. No one can hit that. <laughs> Uh, Molly and Jeremy, I love what you're both saying about learning. I I think, you know, whatever you think about the order or the level of creativity, just sort of narrative storytelling-wise, I think sort of digging into it and and, uh, trying to make the most of it, what is interesting to me is that it is just, everyone is a different kind of hubris. First, it's the hubris of nothing could possibly defeat this, but oh, there's this flaw. Um, And then the second one is this whole thing is a trap that is based on Palpatine's Overconfidence. Luke even tells him your overconfidence is the weakness. There isn't a fatal flaw. The fatal flaw is it, <laughs> this: the damn thing isn't completed. There's a big hole in the side of it. Uh, but it is all, of course, Palpatine's hubris. And we l- really learn that also about General Hux. The First Order, all the technology comes from General Hux and his obsession with technology. And what I like about that entire through line is that Star Wars, to me, has such a great perspective on what evil can be because it is about fear. It is about we need to make something larger so we can control everyone. Mm -hmm. It is about hubris of thinking that you are always correct. And more than anything, it's just about not learning. Like, Star Wars has all of these great rhythms about people think that the mechanical can win, and it is always the organic that does. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the organic of the Force. Sometimes it's the organic of Han Solo just doing something weird that no one would expect him (laughs) to. Something human. Something human, because it's flowing. And it's great to look at Hux in particular as the tortured second-generation son of a space Nazi. Yes. Have all of the access to this information, have the possibility to change and grow and realize this is a bad plan and something organic is going to destroy it. He's just like, it's bigger! If we make it bigger than the organic, then it can't. Yeah, so to me, it's one of those great uh, just ways, if you want to use Star Wars to reflect on real life, when evil comes back, it still has the same perspective, and it 
doesn't remember how it lost last time. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of things, too, you know, the Jedi were around for a thousand generations, and their hubris oh, yeah. oh, yes. caused the downfall of the Republic. I mean, 100%. It's, it's, we, you know, no matter what side you're on, if you just rest on your laurels, if you, do, if you don't actually uh, learn from your mistakes, you're going to keep on making those same mistakes over and over again. Absolutely. I, like, legitimately agree with you that, that the Jedi, yeah, forget their own uh, lessons of being flowing and organic, and they mm-hmm. become rigid. And also, I like that you just <laughs> totally both sides... Yeah, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> Let's not forget not the Jedi did some bad stuff Jedi. too. <laughs> uh, Trevor, did that help a little bit? Excellent. Thumbs up from Trevor. Round of applause. Uh, we have a not even a question. We have a statement from Colin. Colin writes and then underlines it. Purple lightsaber. <clears throat> Uh, I assume that this is a question of why we only see Mace Windu have the purple lightsaber and indeed the only lightsaber, uh, well, not the only, there's a lot of uh, variations, uh, for a main Jedi who is going out and doing typical Jedi stuff, not being a Jedi guard, all that, um, that he has a different color than blue or green. So, Molly, how do you feel about Mace Windu's purple lightsaber? I think that, I think that if you were going to have Samuel L. Jackson in a Star Wars movie when he has really has a pretty storied career and everyone knows who he is and he has a reputation and if he wants a purple lightsaber you let him have a purple <laughs> lightsaber which from what I remember is what happened yes. that he was like cool then mine's purple and they were like yes sir yes it is because I mean that is, and that's fine I think I think that more variation would be cooler. I mean, these young Jedi are sent out. They have to, you know, find their own kyber crystal. It's the one that calls to them and, and that they find a connection with. There, it makes sense that there's going to be some people who find a unique one because they have a unique spirit and a unique connection to the Force, particularly back when there were so many Jedi and there was so much variety within uh, what we now are pretty sure is both a genetic link to the Force and something that can just pop up anywhere. Um, so, you know, we're, that whole family history starts somewhere. You know, Ray, I think, is probably the first person in her family to have force sensitivity for, for all we'll ever know. But she's super strong. You know, there's all this kind of stuff that can happen. So I think purple lightsaber makes sense for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeremy? Yeah, I, you can just think about it that it just happens to be a rare kyber crystal. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. the vast majority of everyone has a blue or, an or, or a, a, a green. Uh, but, I mean, Ahsoka has the white yep. uh, lightsabers. So, or silver. There's a dark saber. I <laughs> yeah, mean, there's like, the there's dark saber, the of absence stuff. of light. So yep. there's a there's a, there's a number of of variations that are very very rare, and uh, maybe we'll see more very rare rare uh, uh, variations in the future, and maybe it will uh, bode some sort of. Uh, uh, terror or good uh, or maybe it'll just be nothing and it just happens to be that yeah yeah I think one of the really fun things about canon uh, especially when you have like the books and comics that can kind of dig into some of this minutia that the the movies don't have time for because it would slow down and turn into a Wikipedia entry uh, <laughs> it, uh, so many different ideas that Ahsoka bleeds the crystals uh, of lightsabers that she takes which is why she ends up with a different color and the uh, Jedi Temple guards have the, the yellow blades mm-hmm. and all sorts of different people design different hilts in different ways. If you've never seen the Clone Wars where the youngling Wookiee has a nice little wooden hilted lightsaber <laughs> and it's so cute. Uh, this is one of those things where, to me, it's like you, you can look at it and you can choose. You could be annoyed about, like, well, why does he have that different thing? Or you can look at it as a door to storytelling possibilities because we can assume 
that Mace Windu got his crystal on Ilum in a typical kind of gathering like we've seen in the Clone Wars. And like, what is so different and specific about him, about his connection to the Force? He's very powerful and very grumpy, but still <laughs> a uh, soldier of the light. But still there's something so different about him that he just found one of the very, very few different kind of crystals. That's the one that called to him. And I often get excited by something that doesn't quite have an answer because to me it opens the door and like I'm just get to brush my teeth and wonder, why does he have that? It fills my mind in those empty moments and it gives me such hope because uh, Star Wars gets to expand that someday some awesome writer will go, hey, I, I get to do a Mace Windu one shot. Can I address the purple lightsaber? And someday Lucasfilm will go, sure, and it'll be great. Uh, Colin, did that help? Excellent. A round of applause for Colin. And we are back on the Vader train. Uh, this person did not put their name down, which I respect. This is counseling. You can absolutely have uh, some anonymity in counseling. Why, at the end of Rogue One, is Vader's cape billowing out? There is no wind in space. Is he using the force to be a drama queen? <laughs> Asked and answered? Uh, no, I mean, uh, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Molly, I would yes. like to start with you on yeah. the dramatic cape. I really think that he, I, I think he is a bit of a drama queen in that sense. I mean, I think he, there's a great, okay, so one of my favorite Vader moments in the whole world is in a comic where uh, he is surrounded like by by all these rebels just like all around and they're like stop you know you, we have you surrounded and he's like surrounded he's like all I see is fear and dead men and then he just like whoa wow right and yeah. it's like that is some serious arrogance and like flair for the dramatic right like that is that is the, the hallway scene in Rogue One where he's coming through and you're just like this dude knows that he looks amazing this dude knows <laughs> he knows that like everyone is super afraid of him and that's why he has this whole visage that's why he wears what he wears he didn't have to you know he'd still be just as powerful but he definitely has a theatrical thing and I I think he was probably maybe he doesn't even realize he's doing it you know maybe it's just an afterthought that he's just like just telling you know just kind of making everything sort of billow around him dramatically yeah i agree with that i think like you know how sometimes uh, just uh, us normal humans who don't have the force uh, like you know we have a tick where like if we're upset maybe our handle yeah i think yeah. like when he is angry and especially someone just escaped him he's not even thinking about it he's just yeah. making it go with yeah. his mind yeah exactly I, pre I prefer to think of uh of letter kenny like that when uh when wayne is about to start a fight the world actually does go into slow motion <laughs> yeah yes. <laughs> it's his. It's his power. Uh, do you have uh, additional thoughts, Jeremy? Uh, my only point is that uh, Star Wars physics are not real world physics. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're they're completely different. And if if you stop to think about you know why something falls when it shouldn't, or why something stays up when it shouldn't, it, or why you can breathe, or blah 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 blah, it's it, it or why there are so many planets with one climate with one biome. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's made for, you know, why does it look? Because of it looks cool and for storytelling. Space sense. magic. Yeah, yeah. Space magic. yeah. And, I mean, I, and I think uh, you can also imagine uh, it's because there are so many noises in space. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually the power of the noise that's blowing his cape. The power the of noise compels you. Noises make wind. Uh, noises <laughs> make wind. Yeah. Anything yeah. goes in yeah. space. Yep. 
in space. That's the law. Anyone can hear you yeah, see, see you do, do anything. anything in Star Wars, at least. Uh, yeah. And I, I think another great thing about Star Wars, we're, we're joking and having some fun. I think there is a, a certain amount of, you do have to accept that for dramatic things, that wins in Star Wars, especially on the screen, always. But the other thing is, if you are the kind of person who is truly bothered by this, there are other fans, and there are like the technical books, and mm-hmm. there are a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, you can go to different Twitter feeds. Uh, Star Wars Explained, a good friend of the podcast, has a great YouTube video. And things like, you know, the minds in Last Jedi, they're magnetic, you know. And if that, you, that that's true, they knew that they knew people were going to be upset about that before the movie came out. Ooh, yeah. It was in published books before the film came out. Yeah. So if it is the kind of thing where that that irritates you, there are also ways to find answers if you aren't uh, is counseled by it's it's fun and dramatic. Also, I mean, one other thing. It can just be a mistake that you don't like. That's okay too. And if you don't, if you really don't want to, I know. But it if you can't really, be okay if, that you're, that it's a yeah. mistake for Darth Vader. If, <laughs> if you don't, if you if you if you just you reject any and all possible explanations, and you're like it's just wrong, then if you can accept that, that's okay. It's okay to not love everything about a absolutely. movie. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, okay, so the person didn't give their name, so feel free to just emanate whether or not that helped you mm-hmm. at all. Oh, it did. It yeah. did. Oh, excellent, excellent. Right. Round of applause. <laughs> Thank you very much. This was they acknowledged us. <laughs> a very, very fun question. All right. Here is a, a, a nice, complex question uh, that will be hard for me to say all the words uh, on a Sunday after a four-day convention. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, apologies if I'm getting your name wrong. Brynhild? Uh, so this is uh, from Brynhild. How do they come up with the names for things? Uh, the phonological choices seem very random yes. and unadherent to linguistically informed patterns. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes, they do. Uh, I think uh, uh, I'll jump in uh, real quick here for, for, for my two cents. I think the only thing in Star Wars that is uh, wilder and more capricious than the physics of space is names. Uh, when you have something where a bad guy is named Savage Opress, <laughs> you just have to accept. You have to accept canon on some level that some early Sith just sat with a book and came up with names that sounded awesome and just wrote them down. And the next Sith that came up, like, this is the name that we got for you on the checklist of awesome, scary names. Um, but in terms of the actual question of like how they actually linguistically are formed, do you have uh, opinions, well, Jeremy? I mean, the first the first planet that you see in Star Wars is Tatooine, which is just a different spelling of the actual town near where they filmed in Tunisia. There's a town called Tatooine. Uh, it's just like any like any uh, writer of anything, you're always on the lookout for some. Uh, Word or th- or con- or collection of words that will sound good for the name of a town or a place or a person, and uh, I mean even you you look at the uh, original novelization of, uh, of of Star Wars that came out uh, six months before the movie came out, and there's things about the Jedi Windus, and like thirty years later he used Windu as mm-hmm. just a, the last name of another dude. Um, it's it's just you know, it's in Starkiller. The first name for for Luke was was Luke Starkiller, and then they eventually used it for Starkiller Base. It's just it's just finding fun stuff, uh, names that sound cool and using them. 
Yeah. Molly, do you yeah. have thoughts? Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of it is ridiculous. Uh, uh, a lobster creature named Therm Scissor Punch is probably my favorite <laughs> example of that. Uh, I just, I, I love Star Wars names because of their... Uh, nonsense as someone who likes linguistics and is a, I'm a big word nerd I really am into etymology and stuff so like they're not like when I saw that it was Savage Press and as I was doing some work for a thing and I'm like really? <laughs> like is this spelled right? And it's like yep this is right and I, I honestly I think it's really great I think it's kind of a wink wink nudge nudge to the fact that you know basic is English right and and Arabesh isn't a language it's a cipher it's you know it's it's it, it, it you you write words in English and then you just you know use their cipher for the letters and things. So uh, I think that it's just it, it makes it it's supposed to be something that you can feel familiar enough with that you feel comfortable with everything. You want to be able to, you can pronounce the names and and maybe you can't spell Wookie like the majority of you. But <laughs> I think that it, it it really it lends itself to some really interesting things. Like how would a language evolve to write a word with three Y's? That's how you write Kashyyyk. It's got three Y's in a row. Why? <laughs> but, you know, like, it's more mystery. It's more stuff to, like, think about while you brush your teeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, on the one hand, yeah, I, I feel like it is so much uh, about uh, always storytelling in mood first from the creators, especially in the original trilogy of, like, we want names that sound silly uh, to us in this context right now, or we want the names that sound just really cool and badass in this context. Um, and then I think there's also uh, that other side. If you are the kind of person who is really into this and wants to chew down, the Star Wars galaxy is big enough that you can find some examples of it in like modern canon. Uh, in one of the recent Thrawn novels, like Timothy Zahn is, I think, much more of a science fiction writer, and he's more of somebody who would be like, let's dig in and make some sense out of this instead of just being about whimsy and fun. Uh, and uh, this is... Uh, a mild spoiler, but he th discusses some possible floating maybe ideas for the etymology of Skywalker, because mm -hmm. Zahn is the kind of writer who does want to have these kinds of uh, questions addressed. So that's one of the things that I go to, is if you have that kind of technical interest, there are places to try to start finding it. I mean, I, I think there, there, but above all, I think there's no excuse for Elon Sleazebagano. Yeah, that was one of my favorite battles because in the expanded universe they tried to actually like, oh well, that that was a nickname, and then when it became new, this new canon again, they're like, nah, that's his name. They, uh, I will say, uh, right now they really don't like you saying Mon Calamari. They want you to say Mon Cal. Like they they've pushed on us a bunch of times at FFG where we where it's yeah. like where we'll write like Mon Calamari out and they're like ah man like, it's like I mean we know you named it that we don't want people to imagine actually chewing on Admiral Rat's yeah. head it's unacceptable no matter how tasty he would be that's just that's offside he's man has earned his military service I say we die <laughs> is there melted butter in Star Wars <laughs> there is in space uh, thank yeah. you. Brent Hill, that's a very, very fun, very interesting question. Round of applause. David asks, did Luke forfeit his deposit on those power converters at Tashi Station? <laughs> Jeremy, you must have stayed up at nights thinking about this while you were in bad relationships. Uh... I, I think that uh, I think that because uh, Luke's friends 
uh, <laughs> Rantashi Station. Well, they treated him like crap. I mean, if you ever if you ever get to see the the deleted scenes from uh, from New Hope, uh, the only one uh, that's there that really li- they actually liked him was Biggs, and I. I think that uh, they just said, "All right, kid. You know, I'm sure you'll be. You and your poor family will be able to come and pick up your power converters." So they place an order, knowing that it'll go on the shelf, and somebody with some real money will be able to buy it. <laughs> uh, Molly, do you have a thought? I think that uh, you know, by the time that occurred to him, he was so far away. <laughs> probably, I do like the idea of him somewhere along the line, just waking, like just bolting upright in bed. <laughs> no. <laughs> Did I leave the iron on? <laughs> Echoes of his father. <laughs> yeah, I like imagining like older Luke, not that, yes. uh, which I think is a perfect whiny delivery because that's his age, yeah, that's his yeah. attitude. But I like imagining him in his modern gravelly voice. Yeah, that's enough. But the power can. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so what I what I like about this very fun question is I really do like maybe imagining Luke addressing this. So what we have in modern canon is a very floaty period of after Return of the Jedi. Uh, we know that canonically Luke uh, kind of just went around the galaxy finding old uh, Force artifacts from Jedi, from Sith, going to different cultures that had different names for the Force, like the Mist and things like that. Um, and I like to believe that while he was just traveling around the galaxy, at one point he was flying kind of close to Tatooine. He's like, got my X-Wing full of Sith artifacts. What if I also pick up those big power converters? He saw a billboard that reminded him about it. He's like, oh, right. Oh, yeah. like, oh boy. Oh, yeah. boy. A chance to just revisit his youth. Yeah. Middle-aged Luke. Like, like, like when you drive by your old childhood house. Yeah. <laughs> he went and took a selfie yeah. with the power converters. <laughs> I think it's maybe like because because does he have anything that he can use those power converters for anymore? I mean, he could use them on you know his uh, his D thirty eight. He could use them on uh, one of his one of his land, the family land speeders. But yeah. when he's flying around in an X wing, do they do, do they use the same? Do they have the same slot. You know, they have the same socket. It's power like, is not going to convert itself. <laughs> it's like like nowadays. I don't, the only uh, the only uh, Star Wars figures I get are the uh, the six inch black series figures. So it's like. I placed an order. I reserved those uh, those three and three quarter inch figures, but I don't really need them anymore. I don't know if I'm going to pick those up. Okay, please pick them up and give them to me. I like them very much. <laughs> All right, uh, round of applause for David. That was a very very fun one. I hope that helps. This is just our Vader episode, so we're going to go to another Vader one, uh, and I think this one is pretty much does have uh, some answers in canon. So here we go. Why did Darth Vader build his castle on Mustafar? Mm. He's got to have some serious PTSD issues associated with the place where all his limbs got chopped off. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. Uh, yeah, so this one is like fairly thoroughly addressed in the, the really great Darth Vader comic. Uh, there's a large sequence of him actually constructing the castle. It goes through all of the reasons for it. Uh, believe it or not, it goes through a lot of his architectural design theories and process. It's super great. <laughs> it sounds so dumb when you say it that yeah. way. See the Tom Bombadil of, uh, of Star Wars thing? <laughs> sing about the architecture of his house? Well, in, if singing, you mean brooding hatefully, yes. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. That's how Jeremy sings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, it, it, yeah, so the short answer is it's his choice and it is because it is a place of horror and pain and he's trying to accomplish uh, a specific task and accomplish 
a better connection with the the dark side and in his his deepening understanding of the dark side that it's a circle that you will only get your power if you are feeling anger if you are feeling pain you feel the fear that you're going to lose that power that power makes you angry and you just keep yourself on this cycle and i think the castle is a part of him almost accepting that that he, he has picked this circle that he doesn't want to get off because he doesn't ever want to lose that power uh, in the castle. Further murdering Anakin. Yeah. So Darth Vader is Lego Batman? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Darkness. Darkness. No parents. Yeah. yeah. Sand people. Yeah. It's mad. One parent, ambiguous father. <laughs> uh, thank you uh, very much. Uh, Denovan? Donovan? Donovan. Donovan. Round of applause for Donovan. That's a great question. Highly recommend uh, that Darth Vader comic. Uh, all right, we have just a few minutes left, and we have just a few more uh, to get through, so I think we can do this. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jeremy, what, what do you make that name out to be? Danny? Uh, yeah, that is. Danny. 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 Yeah, yeah. Oh, wonderful, right. wonderful. Danny. Uh, okay, Danny says, I feel like Obi-Wan and Yoda trained Luke just enough to kill Anakin. <laughs> And then left him high and dry to mess up some kids. <laughs> Help me stop uh, feeling uh, bitter at Yoda and Obi-Wan. Oh, this one's close to my heart, but I want to pitch to you first. Sure, of all. sure. I'll keep it nice and tight. I think that it's, it's a, that is a Jedi tradition to some degree. Is that they, no, it sounds crazy, but like you, you get assigned to what they would assign you basically, you know, as a Padawan, you'd be assigned to one other master. And then it's not like the other Jedi really did much for you. And I think that so like once he got to a certain point, you know, and they, they, they just were like, you have to just be, this has to be enough because we don't want them to find you, especially with Luke, uh, because they didn't want anyone to be drawn to their use of the Force. And the more he teaches him in the Force, the more those echo throughout and the greater likelihood there is that Darth Vader and the Emperor are going to feel them and be able to track them. Yeah, and certainly in terms of like waiting so long to yeah. train Luke. Yes, yeah, yes. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Jeremy, what is your take on the amount of training that Yoda and Obi-Wan give and, and if it is just trying to mold him into a weapon to direct at his own father. I think that <laughs> I think that uh, being uh, being a Jedi often seems to be like a union construction gig. <laughs> you, you're trained for one job and if somebody you know somebody else over here you know, doesn't show up for work that day, you can't go over and do his job. I, I can't I can't do that job. I'm not allowed to do that job. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I, I do. Yeah, I think that is a huge part of uh, the idea of the balance of the forces. Jedi really, really choose when to act, and they want. Look, Yodi even says uh, that that Jedi should be passive. He literally tells Luke that. Uh, so that I think it's that idea of really choosing exactly when and how you act, because I think the Jedi's perspective is that balance is naturally in place, and is my action going to upset the balance? But anyway, I'm sorry, I get real nerdy about this. Uh, I, here's how I break it down. I think, in my opinion, Yoda and Obi-Wan both had different uh, thoughts about what was going to happen to Luke. I think his training comes late because of what uh, Molly is saying. I think they train him to the best of it, their abilities, and then I think they both have these mentor questions of, when do we just pop into his ear uh, when we're alive or when we're force ghosts and just tell him what to do and when do we give him the tools and let him make the choice because that's what a great mentor, a great teacher, a great parent does, right? Give you the tools and then let you do the thing that you're yeah. going to do. And then uh, my biased perspective of uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda is I think Obi-Wan had come to the perspective of it's sad, Luke, but you do have to kill your dad. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I just left him burning limbless thinking, close enough. 
it's funny, but I also do think it's like he couldn't bring himself to just do it, and he walked away thinking it'll be fine. And then I think that's why Obi Wan, who's this very wise person, basically does tell Luke, "Sorry, you have to kill your dad." Whereas Yoda tells him, "Before you become a Jedi, you have to face Vader." And I think Yoda's looking at it more as, "Yeah, we do need you to defeat physically somehow Vader and the Emperor eventually, but how you do it is going to determine." Who you become, and Luke, can you find from your our teachings and from your own experiences, can you find a way that is passive and kind and not destructive to end this threat? And that's why it is his Jedi trial, not to defeat Vader, but to face Vader and see who Luke becomes in that moment. And of course, he becomes a triumphant hero because he chooses the path of. Being a pacifist and refusing to fight, and that is exactly what's needed. And then I think Obi Wan in the Force is like, "Damn, I was wrong." <laughs> <laughs> well, and also face Vader. I mean, also face your father. Face the fact that this is your father. Face the fact that this is your history. Can you make? Can you come to terms with this and still be a hero? Yeah. Or are you going to succumb to the very seductive and easier path to join forces with this with him and have the father figure that you just lost with your uncle Ben and Aunt Beru and have that back in your life? You know, I mean, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Yoda's basically saying, "Hey, remember when you failed yeah. in the cave? Let's yeah. do cave part two, <laughs> yeah. but in real life." Yeah. I said, "Uncle Ben." Yeah. <laughs> Just realized. Uh, all right. Uh, round of applause for Danny. Hopefully that helped a little bit. <laughs> all right. We have just a few minutes left, uh, so we are going to tackle uh, this juicy one to wrap up. This comes from Graham. Uh, Graham says, uh, I love the new movies and where Disney is going with the story, but many fans respond quite negatively. Uh, intentional understatement. Uh, <laughs> especially to The Last Jedi. I'm worried I'll never be able to enjoy Episode Nine and beyond alongside the older fans. I want Star Wars to bring generations together and not divide them. Molly, how do you feel about that larger counseling of how do we enjoy Star Wars when people can get very opinionated and angry about it? I think the best thing to do is remember that your own enjoyment shouldn't rely on whether or not someone else enjoys something, honestly. And like you, you need to be able to divorce yourself from the other... Yeah, thank you, from the rest of the people. Um, and yes, I agree, it would be great if Star Wars could bring generations together. Having been at Celebration, let me tell you, it is. Uh, it absolutely is. Don't listen to the vocal minority. Don't listen to the... Because the people who hate something are always going to be louder than the people who love something. And if that's not a Star Wars lesson, I don't know what is. <laughs> very, very well said, Molly. Jeremy? There are... At, yeah, at Celebration, there were... Because in the old days, you, if you were an older, uh, an older fan, you were dressing up as Obi-Wan. That was that was your mm-hmm. that was your uh, your costume. Yeah. But we saw so many people who were dressed up as as old cranky Luke. Yeah. And people who dressed up as General Leia. Mm-hmm. And just I don't know. Holdo. Holdo. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the thing is, there are people that are older than me that love Last Jedi. There are people that are younger than me that hate Last Jedi. It doesn't. I don't think it's a it's a young versus old thing. I think it's just I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I, 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 have, I have quibbles with it, but I think that the good is so, is so good that it just gets rid of all the bad for me. And, I mean, okay, I'm 45 years old. <laughs> I was three when I saw Star Wars. So I have been a Star Wars fan my whole life. And if I can love it, 
everyone can love it. Yeah. Jeremy doesn't love a lot. I'm telling I, you right I, now. I, he is I cranky. actively hate a lot of things. <laughs> Soul two meters wide. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I think what both of you are saying is exactly spot on. The really wonderful experience that I've had doing Force Center in general, going to Star Wars Celebration, uh, talking to fans online, is the general Star Wars uh, theme of uh, from a certain point of view, or even going back to Qui-Gon Jinn specifically saying, your focus determines your reality. And what I've discovered is that a lot of our strong Star Wars opinions do come from what we saw first. You say the original trilogy, you think that's what Star Wars is. You read the expanded books and don't even actually go and see the movies until you're much older, pre there's people who grew up just with the Clone Wars. We all get to these different ideas of what Star Wars is. And it's to me, like, Star Wars is like a pizza. And we all love pizza. And then different people think, like, it needs this topping. Uh, <laughs> and what I've discovered is, more often than not, if you have time and the right connection, just talking to someone about why do you feel the way you do makes the anger evaporate because it's just, oh, well, I really like this part of Star Wars. And then you can kind of come together and go, but I like this part of Star Wars. And then maybe even if you don't agree, it's not about anger anymore. And uh, from the other perspective, I'll say quickly that uh, what I appreciate about the philosophy of the Jedi is that I think of it as warning, warning, cut off your hand, cut off your head. They have a system for handling conflict. <laughs> and I use the same system when talking to people online about Star Wars. I reach out. I try to say, let's not fight. Let me get you a drink. I try. And then I say, like, okay, maybe we don't need to talk that way. And then I would never cut anyone's head or uh, hand off. Uh, but uh, I, I uh, think of cutting the hand off as muting and cutting the head off as blocking. <laughs> so I think there are uh, lots of ways to try to connect. And I think there are lessons in Star Wars of, hey, even if it is not going to get to a place where you can actually work it out, at least you can try to take these steps to make an effort to work it out so you aren't consumed by the anger. Jeremy? And if we, if we didn't love it so much, we wouldn't, we wouldn't argue about it so much. Yeah. You know, it's just... It, there, are parts to, there are parts of Star Wars that I, I really don't like, but there's so much of Star Wars that I do like, and I just choose to focus on that. I think that is a great final sentiment. So can we please have a round of applause for Molly Glover? A round of applause for Jeremy Stomberg and his soul. A round of applause for all of the great people who gave us really wonderful, thoughtful, and funny grievances. Thank you so much for bringing your perspective. You can find me on all the social medias at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. And until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. That's it for Star Wars Counseling. Thank you very much.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.